Yo, yo, it's Digsy's Baby, the podcast, episode number seven. We got a short show for you today because, frankly, Digsy's is fed up. I'm fed up with the New York Giants. I'm fed up with the state of New York football. I'm fed up. But we'll get to New York football. We'll get to the Giants. We'll recap NFL week three. We're going to recap AEW, WWE. Diggsies was at AEW Grand Slam Wednesday night. It was a glorious show. One of the best wrestling, pro wrestling events I've ever been to. Diggsies is all elite, baby. And I'll give you a few points on the Ryder Cup. USA smacks Europe 19 to 9. And guess what? Thank the Lord above the Knicks opened training camp yesterday. Finally, we have Knicks basketball and the New York fans can look forward to something. And honestly, we also do have something else to look forward to, and that's the Yankees playoff baseball because the Yankees swept the Red Sox this past weekend. They're currently first in the wild card standings. We'll get to that. And guess what? If that game's up in Boston next Tuesday, Diggsies is making an appearance in Boston. So I'm I'm secretly hoping for that. Either way, if it's in the Bronx, I'll be at the Bronx. If it's in Boston, I'll be at Boston. But we'll get to that later. Like I said, short show. Let's kick it off with some football. All right. Once again, the New York Giants lose because they're a loser franchise. On what was a day that was supposed to celebrate one of the all-time New York Giants great, Eli Manning, retiring his number, putting him in the ring of honor, right? What a more better time at the end of the game. It's all tied up, 14-14. Daniel Jones has the ball in his hands. He can march down the field, make a nice comeback, winning drive like Eli Manning did in that stadium so many times over and over and over again. Eli was a winner. He was winning while he was with the Giants. While the Eli Manning was on the Giants, they were a winning franchise. What do the Giants do? They falter. They blow another game. Atlanta comes back. They get the ball. They kick the field goal. They make the field goal twice. Two weeks in a row, we lose by a field goal with the time ending, and we lose the game 17-14. to 0-3 oh, for the second straight season. The Jets also start 0-3, oh, and, and I saw a stat that both franchises are currently 18-49 and 49 the last three years, and it's the worst teams in the NFL the last three years. New York sports, New York football sports is in the cesspool. The Giants are horrible. And honestly, John Maris said before the game that if they don't win, heads are going to roll. What happened? Nothing happened. Monday morning came. They still got Joe Judge. They still got Jason Garrett. I could have... I could have sworn that they would fire Jason Garrett early Monday morning after that loss, after that horrible tentative play calling again, not going for the win, going for the tie, not wanting to lose the game, but not wanting to win the game. Garrett should have been fired. And I'm sure everybody saw it on social media. John Mara was fed up and he kicked over two garbage cans when he left the suite at the end of that game. He's fed up. New York Giants fans are fed up. We booed. The Giants fans let the owner know how they felt when Eli was being inducted and John Mara was talking. They booed John Mara 
over and over and over again. They let him know how they felt. And honestly, that's how we feel. We are pissed off. We all went three again. It's going to be another losing season. It's not going to get better. And when you look at the schedule, you definitely know it's not going to get better because the Giants have the hardest schedule in the league remaining. Out of every single team in the NFL, the Giants have the hardest schedule in the NFL with the remaining games. They head to New Orleans next week, then to Dallas, then the Rams are coming home. That's that's three losses right there. At New Orleans, at Dallas, Rams in our building. Then Carolina comes in. Before the season, we're looking at that as a W. Right now, Sam Donald's playing lights out. That's an L. Then we go to Kansas City. By then, they'll figure everything out. They're 1-2 and two right now. They're in last place in the AFC West. You know they're not going to play any easy games. They're going to go for the jugular. KC's going to beat us. Then, Las Vegas comes to town. Las Vegas is undefeated. They're in first place. That's an L. So pretty much you're looking at the Giants before their bye. They very easily can be 0-9. They probably will win one of those games just by pure luck and by pure stupidity. So we're looking at 1-8 before the bye. Then after the bye, we head down to Tampa play the defending Super Bowl champions with Tom Brady. Then Philly comes to town. Okay, maybe we could win that. Then we go to Miami and then out to LA to play the Chargers. Two tough AFC opponents. Both Miami has the great defense. Two should be back by then. The Chargers look amazing. They're two and one. Justin Herbert looks like an MVP. Then the week after that, week 15, Dallas comes to town. That's always a tough game, but who knows? Maybe we could get the W there. Then at Philly. And then finally, Finally, it's going to take until week 17 that you're looking at the schedule and you could say, wow, we can win that game. We head to Chicago and play the Bears week 17. That is the first time looking at the schedule that you can say that we should win that game. New Orleans, Dallas, Rams, Panthers, KC, Vegas, loss. All losses, Tampa, Philly, Miami, Chargers, Dallas, Philly, all losses, Chicago. Okay, we should win that game. Then Washington comes to our building week 18. We pretty much beat Washington last week into the stupid bonehead penalties at the end of the game. So what are we looking at, honestly? Like, if we really want to sit back and look at that, I know we're saying we're going to lose to this team, we're going to lose to this team, we're going to lose to this team. I'm sure we can squeak out a win or two here and there. But honestly, how many wins are there? How many wins are there? Three? Maybe four. We're looking at a three and 14 season. We're looking at a four and 15 season. Another losing season by Joe Judge. Last week, last year was six and 10. Joe Judge has got to go. He's not the answer. We tried. It's not working out. And now Daniel Jones is playing well. Daniel Jones is playing well. And honestly, I'm torn over if we should let Jones go at the end of the season and start over because we saw what happened with the Jets. Okay, the Jets made the bad move. They let Sam Donald go. They bring in Zach Wilson and Zach Wilson looks worse than Sam Donald was. And it's because the offensive line and they don't have any weapons on that team. So honestly, all along, I thought the Jets should have drafted Penny Sewell with the second pick, beefed up the offensive line. You have Becton on one end, Sewell on the other. You got Vera Tucker in the middle, the guard they, they, they drafted out of USC. You're starting to piece together a good offensive line. You got two bookends with Beckin and Sewell. You put Donald back there. You see what Donald's able to do with a competent offensive line. Donald looks like a superstar this year. The Panthers are 3-0. Donald's killing it. 
Daniel Jones, he played well again on Sunday, two weeks in a row. He went 24 for 35, 266 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But you know what? He played okay. He didn't put the ball in the end zone. They had 273 yards that, you know, got messed up late when they in early in the first half when they had to kick two field goals. You need to get touchdowns there. You need to get touchdowns in those situations. When you get deep down in your own territory, 73-yard drives, you come away with three. That's that's demoralizing. That makes you feel like a failure. And honestly, what that game should have been 14 nothing, not 6 nothing. So Jones played okay. He played okay. He played good in Washington. He played okay against Atlanta. So you know what? In this league, everything is gratification now. I want my gratification now. Jones doesn't have the offensive line. Barkley's not playing well again. Once again, we have another game that Barkley didn't play good. Okay. Another game where Barkley, you know, can't hit holes. Okay. It's 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 just pathetic. He had 51 yards rushing. He caught six passes for 43 yards. But again, he's missing holes. And like he's just like making bonehead moves back there. Like on one play, he did a spin move with nobody around him. It's like he hit the wrong button in Madden and did a spin move when he wasn't supposed to. So you know what? Y- you really can't judge what Daniel Jones is yet. Like, I understand he fumbles a lot. He throws a lot of interceptions. He hasn't thrown an interception the past two weeks. If he can get the fumbling issue down and if he can stop fumbling the ball, he can be a good starting quarterback. Now, is he going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback? No. I don't think Daniel Jones will ever be a Pro Bowl quarterback, but he can be a competent starter, a top, you know, 12 guy in the league just by his legs alone because we know Jones can get at it and he can get down the field when you when you draw plays for him but again another week week three we're zero and three the Giants look like dog shit and the best player on the Giants I know I joked saying it was Graham Goodell last week you know that's a joke obviously your kick is not your best player but Andrew Thomas again another stellar game Andrew Thomas our left tackle that we drafted two years ago he's playing great at the left tackle position if we could just piece together, get two more offensive line pieces there, piece together an offensive line, hopefully Barkley can use this season to get going and, and get his legs underneath him. Jones and Galladay, they look like maybe they're starting to get a rapport. You needed that with Shepard going out early in the game. Galladay caught four passes for 64 yards. Uh, Johnson caught five passes for 51 yards. And again, it's like, where's Kadarius Tony? He caught two balls for 16 yards. But when Shepard went down, they used Johnson instead of Tony. So it's like, what is what aren't they seeing in practice from Kadarius Tony that he hasn't been effective so far this year? But Again, the defense isn't playing as good as we thought they would. They're playing soft. They're letting a lot of plays get in underneath them. Easy first downs. Teams are able to march down the field on us very easily. And it's just been a disaster to start off the season. And at the end of his press conference, after the game on Sunday, Judge Judge was walking out and he turned around and looked at the the press reporters and he said, we are going to be okay. We're going to be all right. Like, are, are they, Joe Judge? Are they going to be okay? I understand the last two games were, you know, tight losses and Denver you look like garbage it looked like you 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 sleepwalked through that game in Denver Washington should have been a win but it wasn't at the end of the day all that matters is the wins in the wins columns the losses in the loss columns it was a loss and Atlanta it was a tight game you had the opportunity to win but you couldn't get the job done good teams win great teams win 
when you're not a good team, you don't win and you find ways to lose the game. And so far this year, the Giants have found ways to lose the game. And honestly, I don't think it's going to get better. I think this season's a wash. I think this season, it's the way Dallas is playing. Dallas looks great. They spanked the Eagles last night. Dallas is easily going to run away with the division. Dak looks good. Zeke looks good. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, their Achilles heel is going to be their defense in the playoffs. If that defense can come together and be a more competent unit, then I think they can make a little bit of a run in the playoffs and make it to the NFC Championship game. But as for the Giants, they are done. D-O-N-E, done. Now, on the other side of the town, the Jets, they are also done. They lost to Denver 26-0. They didn't even put up a single point. They scored six points in the last two weeks. Horrible. Zach Wilson looks lost back there. He was 19 for 35, only 160 yards, two interceptions. They only got 24 yards on the ground from Carter, 17 yards on the ground from Johnson. He has good rapport with Davis, but does it really matter because he has no time back there? He has no time to throw. And you know what? Robert Sala said it. He said that it's a 15-round fight. We're in the beginning of this fight right now. There's still time left. But you know what? I don't think the Jets are going anywhere this year. They really need to see if they could piece it together and see if they made the right right choice. You know, taking Zach Wilson and not sticking with Sam Donald because, like I said earlier, Sam Donald looks like a star. He's playing excellent right now. Thursday night football, he took the Panthers to a 24-9 win, threw for 304 yards. He didn't throw any touchdowns, but he didn't throw any interceptions and honestly the Jets could hope right now that they had a quarterback that didn't throw any interceptions so like I said the Giants have the hardest schedule in the NFL so far left this year it's going it's pretty much let's see who can get the first pick the Giants or the Jets because honestly it very well can come down to at the end of the year the Giants have the first pick the Jets have second or vice versa you know they're definitely both going to be in the top five they're definitely both going to be in the top five and you know what? Let's see if what Gettleman did last year, trading back uh, that pick uh, to get Kadarius Tony to get an extra first round pick. Let's see if it pays dividends. Because honestly, if we got to go out and get another quarterback and start all over again, uh, we Giant fans can't wait another three years. Like, let's get like let, let's build up the offensive line. Let's get the defense better. Let's use those first round picks for better selections than quarterbacks. Because honestly, what quarterbacks are out there? Sam Howell, like. Malik Willis, like, do we really know? Like, they're not blue chip guys like Trevor Lawrence was coming out of college or, you know, what Tua was coming out of college a few years ago. And honestly, you see what happens with these rookie quarterbacks. The rookie quarterbacks this year have been horrible. Trevor Lawrence, horrible. Zach Wilson, horrible. Mac Jones, he's one and two, horrible. Justin Fields got sacked nine times on Sunday. Nine times he got sacked. And Matt Nagy, he's he's another coach that should be fired. I can't believe he still has a job. He's horrible. He's not protecting his quarterback. He's not a- allowing the quarterback to get out of the pocket and use his skills. And now he says next week, 
Foles, Dalton, and Fields are all in play to get the start. What is that doing to Justin Fields' psyche? A young rookie quarterback in the league, you're destroying him. The same way the Jets are destroying Zach Wilson. And the worst thing with the Jets is there's no veteran quarterback that's backing them up. There's no veteran presence in that quarterback room. What are they doing? Why didn't they bring in a veteran quarterback to sit behind Wilson? You didn't want to have a quarterback competition. I understand that, but you need to have somebody in his ear telling him, do this, don't do that. It's going to be okay. Honestly, back in the day, these quarterbacks sat and it was, you know, quarterbacks going out there and playing right away has been very detrimental to their career. Mahomes sat. Look how good he did. Aaron Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre. Going back, Steve Young sat how many years behind Joe Montana before he became a Hall of Famer? It's good for the quarterbacks to sit. Bring in a veteran, a one-year bridge. It gets the job done. I know the Bears tried to do that with Andy Dalton, but you threw Justin Fields to the fire. And now in the 49ers land, Trey Lance might be getting the starting job as well. So honestly, rookie quarterbacks have been horrendous this year. And there's a lot of surprises in the league, man. Who would have thought that after week three in the NFL, the Raiders and the Broncos would be 3-0, and the Chargers would be 2-1, and and the Chiefs would be last 1-2. and Crazy. You know they're going to get back on track, but it's going to be a very exciting year. This year for the NFL, unfortunately, it won't be in New York. There it goes. All right. Well, it looks like the Yankees are going to get it done. I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. Let's knock on wood real quick. But the Yankees have a one game lead over the Boston Red Sox for the number one wildcard game, which they would host if they stay in that position at the end of this week against Boston or Toronto. Toronto's two back of the Yankees, one back of the Red Sox. And good news for Yankees, they played the Blue Jays three games starting tonight. The Yankees took care of business in Boston. They swept the Red Sox behind Giancarlo Stanton, who is heating up at the perfect time. Judge is playing well. Everything's going well in Yankees land right now. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because right now there is a chance that we have a three-way tie for those final two wild card spots. And Jeff Passan came out and he wrote a five part tweet that explains what would happen if there's a three-way tie. So I'm going to read it to you real quick because I found it very interesting and it's it's bananas if it happens. So if the Blue Jays take two or three from the Yankees and sweep the Orioles, the Yankees take two or three from the Rays and the Red Sox win four or six against Baltimore and Washington, there'll be a three-way tie for both AL wildcard spots. So if that happens, they're giving clubs the chance to pick on do they want to play here, do they want to play there. Pretty much it will go like this. Club A will host Club B in the first game. The winner gets the first AL wildcard spot. The loser then travels to Club C for the second game. The winner of that will get the second wildcard spot. So because they won the regular season series against both teams, the Red Sox would be Club A. They'd get the first tiebreaker pick. Obviously, they'll pick. They want to host that first game at home against Club B. Now, Toronto beat New York, so it would choose second. So obviously, you would think that Toronto would say, all right, let me play in that first game because I got two cracks at it. But they could also go around and say, you know, Passon says that the Rogers Center has an incredible 
atmosphere and elimination games at Fenway Park and Yankee Stadium, you know, sounds awful compared to that. So maybe the Blue Jays will say, you know what, we'll just take that one game at home and play the loser of the Yankees and Red Sox. So it's crazy to think that this is going to happen. And if this does happen, if there is a three-way tie, the other teams in the AL should be very happy. The Rays, the Astros, and the White Sox should be very happy because whoever went, comes out of that, you take, you're using at least two pitchers, okay? If you win that first playing game, you're using a starting pitcher there. You win the wild card game, you're using another starting pitcher there. If you got to play three games, you're pretty much using up. And like, honestly, th- these teams are going to be exhausted from all the travel. So it's crazy to think that this can happen. And there is another scenario. If the Mariners sweep the A's and the Angels finish 92 and 70, it will give us a four-way tie and you'll have two head-to-head matchups. So Club A plays Club B. The winner gets the first wildcard spot. Club C plays Club D. The winner gets the second wildcard spot. The two winners play in the wildcard game to see who makes it into the playoffs. So we are at the home stretch of the Major League Baseball season. The Mets are dead in the water. They're officially eliminated from postseason contention. But the Yankees are very much alive and they need to take care of business this week in Toronto and then go home and take care of the Rays. Now, I know the Rays have everything clinched up. They are the AL East champions, but you know what? You know they ha- if they have a shot to knock the Yankees out of the playoffs, you know they're going to do everything in their power to try to knock the Yankees out of the playoffs. Now, I'm sure they'll rest their stars. They'll rest their arms. They'll get their rotation the way they want it to be for the playoffs to start, but you know Kevin Cash and the Rays are going to give it everything they, they got to knock the Yankees out of playoff contention. So if I'm the Yankees, I'm winning two out of three in Toronto at least to make sure I get one of those two wild card spots. And me personally, I'm torn because like I said, I already booked a hotel for Boston Tuesday, October 5th, because at the time I thought Boston would be number one, Yankees would be number two. I'm torn. I want to go to Boston. I want to go to Fenway. I think that will be an electric atmosphere. Yankees, Red Sox in Boston at Fenway for the wildcard game. But I also want the Yankees to host that game. If it's in the Bronx, I'm going to go as well. But the fan in me, the big baseball fan looking from the outside in, not so much the huge Yankees fan, I want to go to Boston. But it's better for the Yankees to be home. So Either way, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I'm definitely not going to Toronto. So if it's in Toronto, I'll be watching from my couch. So it's going to be a very exciting next six days. And we got, hopefully, we got Yankees postseason baseball coming up. You know it's all about the All right, AEW Grand Slam was this past Wednesday night, and it was phenomenal. The Diggsies were there. I took Mrs. Diggsies with me. I felt bad because when it was originally announced, it was just supposed to be a two-hour dynamite with a one-hour dark before, three hours, but then they come out and say, hey, we are going to go to a five-hour show, two hours of dynamite, two hours of rampage with the dark before, that the event didn't end until like 12, 12, 15. Now we left early. Now there was three matches at Rampage I wanted to see. The Bucks and Adam Cole versus Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy and Cage, CM Punk obviously against Hobbs, and then Chris Jericho because I wanted to be there when Judas was sang. Thank God to Diggsies and thank God for Mrs. Diggsies. Tony Khan hooked it up. 
the Bucks and Cole were first. CM Punk was second. Jericho was third. We were able to boogie, get out of there at 11.15. So it was a great night. The thing that wasn't good was... Arthur Ashe Stadium and the vendors were not ready for this event. You literally had to wait an hour to get beverages, food, beer, water, what have you. A whole hour. A lot of people missed. I missed all of Dark. I didn't get to see one match of Dark. I got to my seat five minutes before Dynamite kicked off. And thank God I did because the beginning of Dynamite was... Brian Danielson and Omega, the dream match that went to a 30-minute time limit draw, which was, that was the most electric I heard a wrestling arena ever in my life. And I've been going to wrestling since I was like three, four years old. I remember my first event at Nassau Coliseum. I went to WrestleMania 10. I went to SummerSlam 91, WrestleMania 29, A Million Raws, SmackDowns, even some TNA house shows at Westbury Music Fair. I've been to it all. And the electricity in that building Wednesday night was bar none. It was electric. Everybody was on their feet when that bell rang for Danielson versus Mega. Everybody screamed at the top of their lungs. And AW knows how to put on a show because that was a fantastic show. It was great. I loved every single second of it. And I wish I could have stayed to the end because I missed a Moxley uh, lights out match and the, the four-way man tag team match and the women's match. But I wasn't putting mix, Mrs. Dixie through that. And honestly, as a big wrestling fan as I am, I was exhausted by all the emotion that we gave out early on in the show. But watching it back... When I got home on Thursday, watching Rampage on Friday night, that that arena was packed and rocking through the very end. And honestly, I'm telling you right now, I know AEW wants to do Grand Slam. They want to make it a yearly thing. Next year, it's not going to be at Arthur Ashe. There's no way it could be at Arthur Ashe next year. I'm, t- I'm calling it now. Next year, Grand Slam will be at City Field, and they'll get 30 35, 40,000 people in that stadium because the demand for AEW is there. They just booked uh, Dynamite at the new UBS UBS Arena, the new Islanders Arena at Belmont, December 8th, and tickets are already flying off the shelves for that. I bought four tickets for that right when they came out because I didn't want to miss out and, and have to buy them in the secondary market. So that's how much fun I had at it. Like, like when Raw and SmackDown comes to town, I'm like, eh, I'll watch it. I'll watch it from home. You know, like if I get free tickets or someone buys me tickets for a gift, I'll go. But mostly I'll watch it from home. The pay-per-views, unless it's WrestleMania, I'm like, ah, maybe Royal Rumble. If it was in the U- uh, New York, I would go. But Dynamite, every single time Dynamite comes to New York, I will be there. That's how much fun it is. Is And it was a great show. Like I said, Danielson and Omega started it out. CM Punk cut a great promo after that. Then we got NJF, one of the best heels in the business. His parents were there and they held up a sign and they say, we're NJ, we're MJF's parents and we hate him too. It was hilarious. Then the one of the most surprising things of the night, because you know New York wrestling fans will tell you the truth. Cody Rhodes came out to wrestle Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes was booed all night long. And you know he is gearing up for a heel run because Arn Anderson was on Busted Open Radio 
later on in the week after he was booed out the building and he said that Cody is too Hollywood right now and he is he is too Hollywood and I think Rhodes should go and become a heel uh, the three way the trios match between with the Bucks and Adam Cole Adam Cole's first match back wrestling with the Bucks was amazing when he got in that ring and did Adam Cole baby it was deafening CM Punk followed that with the match against powerhouse Hobbs you know Hobbs was nervous because CM Punk slowed that match down. They took that time. There was a botched move in the turnbuckle that Hobbs almost landed on his neck. On He, he did land on his neck in his head. So you know Hobbs was nervous that he was in the ring with, with a great, but CM Punk looks great. He's starting to look bigger. He's lo- starting to look like he has his cardio underneath them. CM Punk looks great. And then the last match we saw was Jericho and Hager versus uh, American Top Team and American Top Team came out afterwards. Jorge Mazdaval was there and he gave Jericho that famous running knee that he did to knock out Ben Askren. So it was a very exciting night. AEW Grand Slam I give it an A plus and the critics agree too because Daniel uh Daniel Bryan, I keep saying Daniel Bryan over and over and over again. Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega got five stars by Dave Meltzer. And it, it was the first five-star match that Brian Danielson ever got in his life, which is insane when you take a step back and think about it, because Brian Danielson has been putting on stellar matches his whole career. This was his first five-star match, and they gave everything they could in that match, but you know they left some meat on the bone because you're definitely going to see Omega versus Danielson too, and I'm hearing rumors that it's going to be at full gear in November. I believe it's November 13, but you know those two guys gave it everything they had because Daniel Bryan looked like he was in a bar fight afterwards. His chest was destroyed from those slaps from Omega. There was slapping, kicking, fantastic match a plus five stars great match aew grand slam was a grand slam now this week for aew tomorrow night they go to rochester and that is the home of the late great Brody lee and bray wyatt's contract his non-compete 90-day non-compete is up so it's very likely that tomorrow night we will see the debut of bray wyatt they've been setting you know, they've been planting seeds. The dark order has been in turmoil. It sounds like they're trying to break up. This one wants to be the leader. This one wants to be the leader. Bray Wyatt, I really truly think that Bray Wyatt will come out, unite the dark order, and take over the dark order, become the new leader of the dark order after his great, late great friend, Brody. But AEW keeps rolling, rolling, rolling. Like I said, it's only a matter of 20,177 people at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I guarantee you there was people that they probably could have sold an extra five to 10,000 tickets if they had the room. It's only going to be a matter of time when they have these huge events with the card that they put on Wednesday night. They're going to need City Field. They're going to need City Field, maybe Yankee Stadium. I think keep it in Queens, keep it at City Field. Next year, I guarantee you, September, August, when maybe when baseball season's over, beginning of October, if the Mets are out of the playoffs, you'll get a AEW Dynamite Rampage Grand Slam at City Field. And I'm and I'm telling you, man, for a company that's only been around for two and a half years, it's not going to be long before they can sell out a bigger stadium like you know MetLife or you know. 
uh, Dallas, uh, you know, Jerry Jones world down there. I don't know if, you know, it has to be done in the right spot. New York, Chicago, those are the big wrestling markets. New York is a huge market. It's only a matter of time before they can sell out a huge stadium and have like a big WrestleMania type event. Now, WWE Extreme Rules was Sunday night. It was a good show. The beginning of it was a good show. Everything was going good until the end. The demon Finn Balor came to face Roman Reigns for the Universal Champion. Finn Balor, the demon Finn Balor, has never lost as the demon on the main roster. He lost to Samoa Joe in NXT once. And what do they do? Instead of just letting Finn Balor be Finn Balor, instead of bringing out the demon persona, uh, they totally botched this. He gets up, you know, like they have the crazy red lighting like they did with Bray Wyatt, uh, the heartbeat. It revives Finn Balor. He goes on a crazy spree. He beats the shit out of Jimmy and Jay Uso. He's ready to give uh, Roman Reigns the coup de grace. And what happens? The ropes break. He falls down. Reigns spears Reigns wins. So pretty much it was a gimmicky end to the match. I didn't like it one bit. Obviously, they were trying to do it to protect the demon uh, persona, but you know what? He didn't have to be the demon to begin with. So you pretty much just wasted Finn Balor. He was just a carryover until Roman Reigns faced Brock Lesnar at Crown Jewel in a couple of months in Saudi Arabia and then Survivor Series at Barclays in New York City. Supposedly, The Rock is going to make an appearance to face Roman Reigns. We shall see if that happens. And honestly, the way AEW is rolling right now, WWE has to make that move. They need to have a big star for Survivor Series. So maybe it's The Rock versus Cena. Maybe it's The Rock versus Reigns. Or maybe it's Cena Reigns Part 2. All right, well, the greatest event in golf was this weekend, the Ryder Cup, and Team USA completely took it to Team Europe. It wasn't even a competition early on. By Saturday morning, after the first session Saturday morning, it was 9-3. It was pretty much over. Unless Europe could come back and go 3-1 or 4-0 in that last uh, team session, it was over. And and the U.S. tied. The, the most points ever scored at a Ryder Cup was 19. The U.S. went out and got 19 points, and they were a dominant team. Dustin Johnson going 5-0. Him and Morikawa were dominant. Patty Ice, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schauffele, an amazing one-two punch. All the rookies played well. Everybody, everybody was clicking on all cylinders. Scotty Scheffler with Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson and Brooks are boys again. Everything that could go right for Team USA went right. And everything that could go wrong for Team Europe went wrong. Their star, John Rahm was amazing. John Rahm and Sergio Garcia, they played amazing. But the big star for Europe, Roy McIlroy, he didn't show up at all. He got the one point at singles when he led off against Xander Schauffele. He won a singles match. And after that match, when they interviewed Rory, Rory McIlroy is as real as it can get when it comes to giving in interviews. He says what's on his chest. He says it right off the cuff. He doesn't try to give you a, a, a standard little basic answer. He's going to tell you like it is. And he broke down crying. And he said that it's the best event ever if any little kids watching this, they should strive to play in the Ryder Cup or the Solheim Cup. I love my teammates. I'm upset I let my teammates down. I can't wait for two years in Italy when we can get back at this. And honestly, Rory McIlroy should be a role model for these kids because he is an excellent an excellent role model for the younger generation. And 
like I said, there's really not much we could talk about when it comes to the, the actual event itself. USA steamrolled them, but afterwards, man, it was amazing watching Team USA celebrate in that press conference. Xander Schauffele was boxed, smoking his cigar. Dustin Johnson was half in the bag already by the press conference, talking about him and calling Marikawa's bromance, the ex-DJ, him being the old man and the grandpa of the team. Will he be able to still out-party all the young kids? He said, absolutely. Lutely. It was amazing to see Bryson and Brooks hugged. And you know what? I feel bad for Team Europe because they are old. Poulter's old. Westwood's old. They won their matches on Sunday, but they won't be in the Ryder Cup much longer. Sergio will be back, and there's not a lot of young guys knocking down the door in Europe. Hovland played okay. He struck the ball well. He couldn't hit a putt for the life of him. You got Rom, Hovland, Rory. Sergio could probably get you another one. You know, Fitzpatrick has been in a few of these. He hasn't played great. So Hatton looked okay. He was hot and cold. Shane Lowry, I like the fiery, the fieriness out of Shane Lowry. But I know you got the hot guard twins over there in Europe. Um, you got some other young guys, but Team USA is stacked for years and years to come. You know, between JT. Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Xander Schauffele, Patrick Cantley, Tony Finau, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, you know, and like Daniel Berger, Scotty Scheffler, and you still have other guys. Matthew Wolf didn't even make the team. He's a phenomenal player. Patrick Reed wasn't there. You know Reed is going to make that team no matter what in 2023. Reed is going to Reed will go out there and play every single event heading up to that Ryder Cup just to make sure he's on that team. Because to be quite honest, Patrick Reed ain't getting a captain pick ever again. Okay, if Patrick Reed wants to be on the Ryder Cup, he needs to, to he needs to earn his spot on that Ryder Cup because I don't think anybody's picking Patrick Reed. Maybe Tiger when Tiger's captain because Tiger and Patrick Reed are boys or at least Tiger pretended they were at the last Ryder Cup when they played together. But Patrick Reed, you need to play your way onto this team. And honestly, I was upset. Obviously, I want Team USA to win, okay? I Obviously, I root for Team USA, but you know what? For once, like the past four Ryder Cups have been complete blowouts. Obviously, this year, you had 19-9 U.S. on U.S. home soil, okay? In 2018, when it was in France on Europe's home soil, 17.5 to 10.5 Europe. 2016, in Minnesota, 17 to 11 US, 2014 in Scotland, 16 and a half to 11 and a half Europe. So the past four years, past four Ryder Cups, the home team has completely destroyed the visiting team. And you don't have a close Ryder Cup back going back to 2012 when Europe won on US soil, 14 and a half to 13 and a half. And then they won on European soil in Wales in 2010, 14 and a half to 13 and a half. But even looking back past that, 2018, it was 16 and a half, 11 and a half US. The other two Ryder Cups after that, before that, were 18 and a half, nine and a half. Europe won twice. So it's like the, 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 they need to come up with an agreement that both captains decide on how to make the course. You know, maybe decide how to. Every other hole, like you get the front nine, we get the back nine, you know, like something like that, or have a, a third party, independent party over there that helps create the course and, and decide how the course is going to be played. Because when the U.S. is home and the U.S. gets to make the course, the wide fairways, 
pins in the middle of the green, Europe, tight fairways, tuck pins. And when you do that, U.S. is going to win on the bombing courses in the U.S. Europe's going to win in the European courses when it's tight fairways. Now, it'll be interesting to see what this U.S. SEG team can do in 2023 in Rome, because I think that even if the tight fairways and the tuck pins, I think this team will be able to win on that. I really do. I think I think Europe will probably put up more of a fight on home soil. It won't be 19 to 9, but I could see the USA winning, you know, 17-11 or something like that because they have great ball strikers, Colin Morikawa, you know, like I said, um, Scotty Scheffler. It's just the, the USA team right now is stacked. There's still young guys in the system that haven't even made the team yet that could step in for Dustin Johnson in a few years when he retires. So it'll be very interesting to see if they'll have a third party in there to help with the course setup or both coaches will decide on how the course, both both captains will decide on how the course is made. And it'll be very exciting to see who the next captains will be. I know 2023, it's Tiger's job if he wants it, but will Tiger try to hold out to get that job in best? page all along i've always felt that it's mickelson's job the 2025 Ryder cup beth page new york will be mickelson's job and honestly i'm hearing rumors that that might be ian poulter's first captaincy for europe so if you get mickelson poulter 2025 it'll be electric 2023 it could be tiger westwood maybe tiger donald or tiger stenson but usa completely destroyed team europe and hopefully hopefully like i said you know after saturday morning it was like like i barely watched singles like i I had it on in the background with football but it was just it you knew usa was going to run away with it there was no when when it when it ended 11-5 if it ended 10-6 okay the turning point in the Ryder cup was when Bryson DeChambeau and Scotty Scheffler turned around that match late Saturday afternoon. They were down a few. They turned it around and they won. I think it was against Fleetwood and Hovland. I'm not sure. I think that's what it was. But if that was the deciding factor of the Ryder Cup, because if if they kept that match the way it was, we would have been looking at 10-6 going into Sunday. And you know what? People have came back from 10-6. USA did it in 99. Europe did it in 2012. 10-6 is a score you could come back from four points. 11-5, that's six points. No chance in hell. USA got the job done on Sunday. We have to wait another, honestly, like, it's mixed emotions because you think, like, I want this every year, but do you? I don't think we'll get as it won't be as exciting if we got this every year. Now, we get the President's Cups in between, but the President's Cup sucks. International team never shows up. USA completely kills them. So, hey, we got another two years. This Ryder Cup took three years because of COVID. Two years, Marco Simone, Roma, Italy. I'm excited for it. And I think we'll get a closer Ryder Cup than we've had the past four Ryder Cups. And I think we're going to see some changes with the format. And I think we're going to see some changes with course setup with the Ryder Cup moving forward. All right. Nick's training camp opened up yesterday. NBA training camps opened up yesterday. And it's a very exciting time because finally we can watch a winning New York team other than the Yankees. Um, a few points I want to take. They questioned Derek Rose about who will be the starting point guard. He said that Kemba Walker will start a point guard. I'm not worried about minutes or playing time or anything like that. Kemba came here to be the starting point guard. 
I'll come off the bench. I'll be the spark we need. And honestly, that's exactly what you want to see out of Derrick Rose because he excelled in that position this past year. He came off the bench. He was a spark plug. He was up for six man of the year. He, he'll be up for it again this year as long as he stays healthy. And you got Kemba back there. You got Derrick Rose back there. It's a lot better than Alfred Payton and Derrick Rose. RJ sounds like he is locked and loaded, ready to go for his third season. He says he wants to be an all-star this year. He wants to be more of a two-way player, play better defensively, take on bigger defensive assignments. And I think RJ can get the job done, man. I really do. And I think he might not be an all-star this year, but I truly do believe that RJ will be an all-star at some point in his career because he has the drive to get that done. Uh, Julius Randle has been working hard in the offseason. He said that he got too cute with the Hawks series and that he tried too much. He should have kept things simple. And we saw that. He he completely didn't show up for that Hawks series. Hopefully when they make the playoffs this year, he'll show up. And I'm excited. Mitch, man, Mitchell Robinson, he's been in the gym. He's been clanging and banging those weights. He put on like 25, 30 pounds. I like it. We need Mitch to be more physical down there. He's already great with the hops, with the blocks, with the alley-oops. He needs to be physical down there. He needs to bang the boards, and he needs to get you know more physical with the opposing team centers, disrupt them a little bit. So it's going to be a very exciting year for the NBA, for the New York Knicks, and honestly... I don't know who's going to beat the Lakers because I saw that, that their team photo, their team video with LeBron, AD, Rondo, Melo, Dwight Howard, and Russell Westbrook. Man, that sounds like an all-star team. You know, Melo's going to be hungry for that ring. Let's be real. The Knicks aren't going to win the championship this year. Probably not going to happen. Honestly, as much as it pains me to say it, I don't want to see the Nets win. I fucking hate the Nets. KD is smug. Kyrie's already not there because of his vaccination status. Who knows if Kyrie will ever be on the court because in New York, you need to be vaccinated to play. Maybe Kyrie will only play away games. You saw that happen to Andrew Wiggins with the Golden State Warriors. He's not allowed to play home games. He tried to get a religious exemption from the COVID vaccine. They said, no, he can't play in Golden State. Kyrie's in the same situation. We'll see what happens. KD is smug. I hope the Nets lose. I hope the Lakers win. As much as it pains me to say I hope the Lakers win, I want to see Melo get his ring. I want to see Melo get his ring and ride off into the sunset. Knicks, I think the Knicks will be very good this year. Um, do I think they'll be the fourth seed like they were last year? No. I think we're looking at a fifth, sixth, maybe seventh seed. If everything goes goes right we'll get a fifth seed, maybe fourth seed. So NBA basketball is 20 or something days away. Hockey's right around the corner. We got NFL football in full-fledged college football. Baseball's coming. It's the best time of the year. Honestly, it really is. October, M- MLB playoffs, NFL's in, in full flight. You got hockey, basketball starting, college basketball starting up. It's a very exciting time to be a sports fan. And we will give you the hottest sports takes and the up-to-date sports news here at Yo-Yo, It's Digsy's Baby, the podcast. So, Make sure to rate, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram for our Digsy picks. Digsy's went four and two last week, plus two units. If you listen to Digsy's picks last week, you would have won yourself some money. So follow along, rate, subscribe, tell your family, tell your friends. Yo, yo, it's Digsy's baby.